0: You know, as I, I talked about just a couple of weeks ago, and, and um, you know, I, I, as we continue to, to see the war develop uh, between Israel uh, and Hamas, it's, it's deepening, and it, it seems to be getting, getting stronger. Uh, it, it's really pressing on my heart to, as your pastor, uh, to give you an update as to how we can continue to, to be praying uh, there's, there's more and more rumors of, of surrounding countries seeking to get involved. The United States even sent personnel to the shores of Israel to help provide protection and, and praise God for that because scripture says those who bless you will also be blessed. So for the United States to take that stance and to, to help provide support to Israel, is, is, it speaks volumes. Now, as these rumors and more and more rumors continue to spread and, and the media is going to continue to politicize this war, we must continue to remember Psalm 122, verse 6. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Now, I can go on and on about, about the prophecy that is being fulfilled as this war rages on, but I want to continue to point you back to the words of the psalmist, pray for the peace of Israel. Now what I would like to do here is just give you a few ways that you can be praying, not just today, we're going to do that in just a minute, but also for the weeks to come, the days and weeks to come as this continues to unfold. Number one, pray for the families that are losing loved ones. Any soul that is lost is a soul that God loved. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, but also weep with those who weep. Number two, pray that the world sees the importance of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Christ's return really is not based on the rise and fall of the United States. It's based on what's happening in Israel. And number three, pray that the name of Jesus is glorified. Above all, pray that the name of Jesus is glorified. Proverbs 21 says this, the horse is made ready ready for the day of the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. We truly truly don't know how God can receive glory through war, but we can hold to the truth that all things work together for the good of those who love Him. So let's take this next minute, as Katie continues to play, let's all spend some time in prayer, praying for the peace of Israel, and of course praying for God to be glorified. So let's go to him now. So God, as we, of course, wish for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for it. We beg you to intervene. God, we also ask that you give us a posture of reverence, knowing that it's, it's in the palm of your hand. God, that only you can use a war and make good come out of it for your name's sake. And God, we ask you to do that. Do that today. Of course, we pray for peace. But God, allow this as a time to, for us to reflect on our own posture of our faith. We don't have to worry about bombs coming through our door or terrorists dragging us away for our faith. God, we could fully worship you in a sanctuary, talking about who you are and what you've done. God, we pray for the families that have lost loved ones in this war, the innocent ones. We pray that your your name is glorified, that as they go through this season of mourning, that they lean on you, that they see your face, maybe for the first time. And God, of course, again, we Pray for peace. Convict us us of of areas in our life where we don't have peace. And allow us to, to build in our routine a time to come before you in prayer. And God, as we go forward to bring the message today focused on outreach, show us people in our lives that need to hear your truth. Bring people along our paths that need to hear the truth for what it is. But God, give us the courage to share it in a way that's loving, because that's who you are. God, allow us to glorify you, not just in in what we do and not just in how we worship on Sundays, but, but the lives that we live, the conversations that we hold, the way that we work. And God, allow me to become less this morning so that you can become more. Use me to speak your word. Save a soul this morning, if it be your will. And God, we love you. I love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Katie. So this morning we are continuing our 6 weeks series on... Outre- prepare preparing for outreach this morning. Awesome, you got the slide up there. That's cool. So we're in week five, prepare for outreach. So we went through change, growth, spiritual warfare, the importance of standing firm. Today we're at outreach. Next week we're going to be talking about preparing to pray. Uh, I'm super excited about that. It's also a good opportunity for me to plug the the prayer meeting this coming Thursday. Uh, it's going to be taking place at 7 p.m. It's a good opportunity for us to go before the Lord and lift up not only the future of our church, but of course Israel uh, and what what our church is going to be bringing to our community here in Lowell, Indiana. So prepare for outreach. Now before I get started, um, we have here at at Hope an incredible outreach team, uh, a team of men and women who are passionate about bringing the good news of the gospel to our community here in Lowell, Indiana and beyond. And what I want to do is I want to ask them to stand. I think we got Don, Tom and Debbie O in the back. Don, yeah, there we go. Cool. Look at this. Look at this. Could we give it up for our outreach team this morning? <laughs> Thank you guys. You be... So hey, if you want to get involved and, you're, and there's something that, that's said this morning or something that's on your heart, maybe an idea I'm sure any one of these members would would love to talk with you and and hear your heart behind joining them um, because, of course, we could all uh, play a huge role in bringing the message of the gospel to Lowell uh, and beyond. So thank you for our outreach team. Uh, Now let's get into our word this morning. You know, believe it or not, outreach has caused much division over the years then and, and this has become more and more prevalent because of the impact of of covid of of social media of censorship, and the list goes on and on I've I've seen in my experience in my years walking with the Lord and in ministry I've seen outreach done right, meaning allowing the community to not only know that the church is in the community but but also know that what they're about and I've also seen outreach done wrong where where hundreds of thousands of dollars are, are pumped into this area with, with no direction aside from checking a box to say that it's being done. We're a church that does outreach. That's all I care about. It seems to be a common trend that a church does a lot of outreach when, when they're in the planting stages or, or in the early years because they're forced to do outreach. But as they begin to grow it starts to become inward-focused. Now, I have to say, that that's, not always, that's not always wrong. A healthy church consists of a balance of three thriving areas. One, fellowship among believers, equipping of the saints, and evangelism. So it's not always wrong. Now, the trouble comes when, when this gets out of, ba- out of balance, and, and maybe the, the fellowship among believers is also under the umbrella of outreach, or if we pour all of our resources into outreach and, and none into the equipping of the saints, allowing believers to, to not be passionate about the message that we have. Also, I have to address this, com- this, this, very, this very common misconception. The focus of outreach is not to make new church members, it's to make disciples. We're going to get back to that in a bit, but I want to say this. Despite popular belief, I, your pastor, I am not in the market of making new church members. People see me walking around the church on a a Sunday, or, or they catch me in conversation through throughout the week, and, and they almost have to justify themselves as to why they're not becoming members of the church, or they, or they give me an answer as to whether or not they plan on coming back. Friend, that, that, that's not my concern. My concern is the condition of your soul. And if that means that you become a member here at Hope so that I can continue to speak life into your life from a biblical perspective, then that's awesome. But if it means that you give your membership or attend another church, then that's great too. Some of the elders are like, Ryan, what are you talking about? What are you church members here? You know, as long as your soul is at rest and you are in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, I will cheer you on no matter where you land. Just please don't think that the only reason that I want to talk to you on a Sunday morning is because I want to check back up on you as to whether or not you're coming back next week. How you doing? Yeah, 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 we're, we're thinking about becoming members. No, I, don't, I, I wanted to know how you're doing. H- how's it going? How's your week going? Well, we're, we're you know, we're, we're tithing. We're planning on coming back next week. We're, we're thinking about being becoming members. We're going to go to the, con- I just asked how you're doing. I'm like, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> just please don't think that that's all that I care about. Care about the condition of your soul. So let's get into our text for this morning. First Peter chapter three is where we're gonna land. First Peter chapter three, verse thirteen through seventeen. Just a few verses this morning. First Peter chapter three, verses thirteen through seventeen. Give you a minute to get there right, one more time. First Peter chapter three. If you're having difficulty finding it, ask your neighbor. verse 13 through 17. I'll start by reading verse 13 alone. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Point number one, outreach starts with the right perspective. Outreach starts with the right perspective. Now, you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, Ryan, that's, that's a no-brainer. It's all about Jesus. But, but so often we find ourselves straying from the truth. We get these false ideas that, that evangelism is, is all about the church or, or our church. We think that it's more about entertainment, plays, and concerts when really it's about conversation and conviction. When we go about our outreach, we must first define what it is. And I I, I really applaud Charles Spurgeon's definition for evangelism, and it's this. Those who know, telling those who don't. Those who know, telling those who don't. It's so simple. Those who know the truth of the gospel, believe it and accepted it, they can't help but share it. It's so simple, and the fact that we're, we're straying from this simplicity is what is really making us afraid. We put the pressure on ourselves to get the next best speaker in our doors. We read books upon books on how to tailor our conversations toward the gospel, or, or we want to host the most trendy worship artists so that we could bring the city to our church. You know, I never fully understood this. I really am not against putting on these concerts and, and conferences, and, and really you'll, you'll more than likely see Hope Community Church doing this down the road. But what I don't understand is that when you put these Christian concerts on, you're essentially bringing in other Christians. What do I mean by that? You listen to the radio and you, say, you listen to your Christian music, and you say, I want to I see this, this band in, in person. And, and then you go to the church, and, and then it's, it, you're essentially bringing in Christians that are listening to Christian music to a church. So you're you're pulling them away from their other church to go see a concert. I don't know many unbelievers that listen to Christian music, let alone go to their concert. Hear me on this. The Heart of Hope Community Church's outreach will not be to recruit members of other churches, but make disciples. Now here's where a fine line exists. We are not here to recruit other church members, but we are here to proclaim the truth. There are some that are going to come through our doors, and they're going to hear the truth preached, and they're going to look at their spouse and their or their family or their friends, and they're going to say, this is the truth that's missing at my church. You see, when you go to a church that's so focused on outreach, that they diminish the truth. They are not only straying from the gospel, but they're insulting the cross. I remember talking to a couple of church leaders a number of years ago. And he and his wife had, had told me all about the church that they that they used to attend and, and how much they loved it because of the concerts that it used to host. And, and the people that would come to the church because of the concerts, they were coming by the hundreds. They were the attendance was skyrocketing, and, the, and these art artists that they would go to meet, and, and they'd worship with them, and, and then he said this, and it bothered me. Eventually, a few years went by, and, and the pastor decided to no longer host these concerts. This is him speaking. And because they didn't have the concerts, we stopped going to the church, and so did half the other members. What do you think when you hear that? What are they going for? The church? or the concerts. Friends, Hope Community Church is not going to be a church that is known for its outreach, but rather its stance on the truth of God's word. Outreach is going to be an overflow of that. I think that's in and of itself is, is going to be a challenge in the years to come, standing firm on the truth. Ephesians four eleven through 14 says this, and he gave the apostles schemes, standing firm on the truth is going to be a project in and of itself in the years to come. You know, if we go out and conduct the greatest outreach of of all the churches in northwest Indiana, if we pour half our budget into this area of our ministry, but we're not preaching the truth, we're inviting people to come just hang out with us rather than deepen their relationship with Christ. And if they want to hang out, they sure don't have to go to church to do that. Have the perspective of doing good for the glory of God, not for the prosperity of our church. Invite people to a relationship with Him, not to our church. Once they hear the gospel and the good news that Jesus Christ left His heavenly throne, lived a perfect life, was the sacrifice for their sins, and and rose from the dead so that they can have a relationship with Him, one of the first questions they're going to ask is, what now? Is what now? I've seen this many times throughout my conversations. Is the first thing that someone does after they fully give their life to Christ, they ask the question, what now? And friend, that's when you point them to Hope Community Church. You don't lead with that. Our culture has become so accustomed to getting invited to church that they already know the game. It's a healthy relationship with a Christian that's something they're not used to. If our perspective is to truly be his hands and feet, Peter Peter is telling us that our conscience is clear. We must be zealous or eager to do good for the sake of Christ. The gospel conversation comes natural to those who have truly been changed by it. A gospel conversation comes natural to those who have truly been changed by it. Evangelism starts with the right perspective. Verse 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Point number two, outreach represents Christ to the world. Outreach represents Christ to the world. Did you know that Christ has already given us an incredible tool to share his gospel? Revelations 12, verse 11 is incredible. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the, what? Word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. The power of our testimony is used here in this passage, going hand in hand, with the blood of the Lamb. This is absolutely astonishing. Look at your neighbor and, and, and say, there's power in our testimony. Look at your neighbor and say, there's power in our testimony. That neighbor's not listening. Look at your other neighbor and say, there's power in our testimony. Come on, say there's power in our testimony. Our testimony as believers and followers of Christ has the power to win souls from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He doesn't write about the dramatic testimony of you coming to Christ. He doesn't say that you must have some some crazy story of you coming to faith in, in Jesus before being a witness to him. He doesn't say that there's specific people that have this testimony. He says that they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. If you have been saved by Christ, simply sharing the work that Christ has done in your life with someone who does not know him, has the power equated to the blood shed by Christ on the cross and the ability to bring souls to him in Jesus' name. This can take place from a stage in front of tens of thousands of people, or it can happen in a conversation over a cup of coffee. It can happen at a concert, or it can happen at a recovery meeting. The word of our testimony is not limited to a platform, but rather the heart and the desire of the believer. Because of our ability and and free will to share the gospel, we must be hyper-focused on what we do. We're not going to offer what we don't absolutely need. I've been to a church where we were so overwhelmed with activity, but so far away from discipleship. Yeah, on paper and on the calendar, it looks cool to say that we have some sort of activity every night of the week, but it becomes difficult to go all in as a church if we're running in our own directions. Any outreach that we have is going to be hyper-focused on serving our community with the next step toward discipleship. Always be thinking about the next step. Why? Because outreach represents Christ to our world, and if we want to represent Christ to our world and our community, we must be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. You're saying, well, what does that look like? How does? We don't want to get messy. We don't We don't want to converse with non-Christians because Christ says in scriptures that we need to avoid everyone that doesn't believe in him as their savior. It does not say that. In fact, if you look at Jesus' ministry, who did he hang out with? The sinners, the tax collectors. So much so that he was often actually referred to as a glutton and a drunkard. But the point was not to hang out with them so that he could become like them, but rather so that they could become like him. Let's keep going. Verse 16 and 17. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Point number three, outreach reveals the problems of the world. Outreach reveals the problems of the world. Now, I must say that there's a huge difference (laughs) between revealing problems and creating problems. It's one thing to look at your unbelieving neighbor and attempt to fix all their problems by, by shoving your Bible down their throat, by threatening, with, threatening them with the gospel, saying that you better believe this or you're going to die. How do you think that feels to someone that's down and out? But the issue here is that many times unbelievers don't know that they're even living in sin. It's easy to point at the world and say, you're all so messed up and broken. (laughs) Yes, this is true. But if we don't help to create a solution or, better yet, point them to the Savior, we're doing little more than complaining. This could look many different ways. It could mean helping your friend understand the long-term implications of divorce and the effect that it has on the entire family rather than looking down on them because they are struggling in their marriage. It could mean providing your neighbor with finances to go to counseling to help them overcome their addiction rather than running in the opposite direction because we don't want to put ourselves around sin. It could mean supporting a ministry that provides single moms considering abortion with free health care and ultrasounds, praying that they'll choose to keep their unborn child. A lot of times outreach steps into evil not to join it, but to help relieve it. But in doing so, of course, you have to be careful. You have to set up boundaries and, of course, not not stray from the truth in doing so. Genuine outreach doesn't tiptoe on the line with sin. Hear me on this. Genuine outreach does not tiptoe on the line with sin just to relate. It stands firm on the truth of God's word. I'll never forget going on a mission trip to, to New York City. It was one of the most difficult yet yet simple mission trips that I've ever gone on. Our task was to to strike up conversation with with people throughout the streets and parks of, of New York City and and almost force the conversation to drift towards the gospel. That's hard, by the way. <laughs> and I I want to say this too my favorite mission trips are here in our own country. A lot of times it's easy to go outside of our, our, our country to, to help provide support, but man, you look inside of our country and there's a lot of mess here. You don't gotta go far. But the hardest part about having these conversations was, was not leaving out any part of the gospel, not jeopardizing the truth and the message that we have, but, but yet trying to do it in a loving way. So sin, repentance, all that stuff in a conversation with someone you've never met before. There was one conversation that I had that was that was etched in my brain, and and really I believe that this conversation is a is a good picture of the world today as it relates to the church. I approached a young couple that I was that was sitting on a bench in Washington Square Park, and and they allowed me to sit. Next to them on this park bench, I of course I had, hey, you got a minute, I'd love to chat with you two. I had on, a, on my lanyard, you know, my my Bible in my hand, and and, and I was assuming that they, they I was assuming that they knew where the conversation was going. I shared a I shared of creation, you know. I started to ask, how you doing? Talk, talk about creation and God's role in it, and and I walked them through humans' need for a savior, and then I mentioned humanity's desire for sin. What's their reaction? The second that I mentioned sin, this couple got up and walked away. They didn't say a word. They didn't say, thanks for your time. No, thank you, this is not for me. They just got up and walked away. Friends, this is the culture that we're dealing with today. A world that doesn't mind Jesus as long as he doesn't tell them what to do or how to live. They get close to Jesus, but when he begins to shine even the most subtle light on their heart, they want no part in accountability, and they walk the other way, continuing a life that they live. Hear my heart behind this. The intention behind outreach is not to create problems, but to reveal them. This happens not because we can solve the problems, but because we know the one who can. And we must point the sinner to the foot of the cross because if we're being honest with ourselves, that's where we are too. So often we can use the church as a cop-out for evangelism. We have no trouble inviting people to church, but no desire to form a relationship, and we're almost afraid to share the real reason for the good news that we have. What what did I say earlier? Gospel-centered conversations come natural to those who have truly been changed by it. Not watered down, let me tell you a feel-good, motivational, entertainment-centered story. Not that. But rather, let me tell you about a Savior. One who is fully aware of your sin, but loves you anyway. One who knows your every thought, yet loves you as if he didn't. One whose love for you surpasses any other love, so much so that your mind can't comprehend it. A love that is so real that it gives you every breath that you take. It's the same love there that motivates us to share it with others. So many times we could find ourselves worrying about whether or not our neighbor is saved, saying things like, how can they, they do this or, or do that and, and still call themselves a Christian? Well, friend, let me assure you that once you get to the judgment seat of Christ, the only care that you're going to have about your neighbor is is whether or not you love them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, there's a soul here today that that has been in a relationship with you for years but needs the, the fire and the motivation to share it. God, allow us to to have confidence as we go about sharing your good news with our neighbors that it's not about perfectly tailoring our conversation, but really just sharing our heart with a soul that so badly needs to hear your truth. And God, of course, give our outreach team, we ask that you give them wisdom as they plan for the years ahead, that they put on events that are focused on your truth and of discipleship to help an unbeliever not just know who you are but how to get to know you more and more throughout their life. Lord, as each one of us are here this morning that have been truly changed by your gospel, allow our outreach to be an overflow of that. Lord, we are so grateful for the sending of your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth. To die on the cross for our sins but not just dying, rising again three days later so that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.